The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. In a world that can be challenging, and at times unpredictable. It's hard to find moments to focus on what you need. Join Stephanie James on The Spark as she guides you to use your inner flame to ignite your best life. As a best-selling author, psychotherapist, transformational life coach, and international show host, Stephanie is dedicated to helping you create a life that takes you, your goals, and your passions to the next level so you can live a life that is fully lit up and fully alive. She believes that your life is meant to be a beautiful expression of the things that light you up. That by living your dreams, you give permission to others to do the same. Are you ready to feel alive and inspired to fuel your dreams and put a fire behind your desires? Let's ignite a spark in one another that will illuminate the world. The Spark with your host, Stephanie James, starts now. Welcome to Igniting the Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. Thank you so much for being here with us. We just have an incredible show for you. Just sending out lots of love to all of you. Just knowing that as we're in this new year, it's a time of creation, a time of expansion. And so I am thrilled that this show tonight is going to help you. I am so excited to have you here with us because I have transformational teacher, speaker, coach, multiple best-selling author and TEDx presenter, and so much more, Karen Curry Parker with us. Karen, thank you so much for being here. I am so honored to be here today. I can't wait for our conversation. I am just so excited. We've, we've known each other now for a few years, and you know, I just want to say, too, that I just think you are one of those women that you just wear so many multiple hats. And and not only that, I always have to mention this incredible woman is the mother of eight. Of <laughs> <Yes>. eight. <laughs> so you do all of this with this amazing family. Karen, let's talk a little bit. I mean, you are one of the leaders in human design. And for people that don't understand what human design is or don't know about it yet, can you explain just what is human design? Yeah. So human design is a personality assessment tool, if you want to call it that. It is comprised of uh, Eastern and Western astrology, the Chinese I Ching, the Hindu chakra system, elements from Judaic Kabbalah, and sort of mixed all into it is uh, quantum physics. I like to think of it as a very simple tool or a Rolodex of ancient and modern archetypes that help you redesign or redefine or take back sovereignty over the story you tell about who you are so that you can start creating the life you were born to live. Yes. My gosh, that is so amazing. It's such an amazing tool. And 
I know when you gave me a reading a couple of years ago, I was blown away. And the more that I've been reading your books and diving into it, what a powerful guide it is because it not only tells you like, okay, these are certain strengths, or maybe this is an area for you that is blocked. It also talks about maybe, I don't even know if it's termed this, like your shadow side of -hmm. those certain, Mm -hmm. yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Totally. So I think for us to really talk about this, we have to start first and just look at the creative process because when we're manifesting, which is, I guess, the word we like to use, when we're manifesting, we really are pulling from our personal story or our personal narrative, the story we tell about who we think we are. So if you think for just a moment, I want to break it down into the little components. If you imagine that, and you don't have to imagine it's true, right now in this moment, you're sitting in basically a field of information that is filled with infinite possibilities, infinite potentials. That's called the quantum field. Those potentials are not manifest yet. They're in movement. They're basically, it's basically light and things that move faster than light, tachyons, that are traveling at a high speed all around you. So you're sitting in this soup of infinite potential. Now, I know you coach. I know that for me and my coaching practice, you know, one of the biggest things my clients say to me is, I don't know what to choose. I don't, I don't have clarity. I'm confused. I'm overwhelmed. Well, this system helps you get out from the overwhelm, which makes total sense. If you think about the fact that you're sitting in this field of infinite possibility and you got to pick things out of it, you know, it's nice to be able to say, okay, I'm going to use my personal narrative. My story is basically a filter. And that filter is going to help me rather than being a victim of circumstance and life itself. That filter is going to support me in being able to consciously choose, first of all, my story, who I want to be, and which options that match the fulfillment of who I want to be in the material world. So your story is basically this filter human design gives you a way of analyzing that story. Because if I say to you, you know, who are you, Stephanie? Or if I say this to anybody on the street, who are you? You know, the way we define ourselves and the story we tell, it's not so easy to interpret. And if I said to you, okay, there are things in your story that are blocking you, you're not necessarily going to even know where to start looking, right? You're going to start thinking about you know, my family, my history, and that might not even be it. It might be something that happened to you in second grade. (laughs) Human design gives you basically this list of all these different parts of the human story. And your chart, you get, you run a chart, that chart's based on your birthday, birth time and birthplace. So you plug it into a computer system. It spits out this chart. This chart is basically your soul curriculum. It teaches you what you're here to learn and grow, what you're here to do and be in the course of your lifetime. When you take that chart and you go back to, okay, what's my story? What might be keeping me from consciously choosing what I want to choose out of the quantum field? What might be blocking me? Now you can start to look at, oh, in my life, in my personal story, these are the archetypes. Now, archetypes are just neutral ideas. So an archetype can be something like hermit. Or it can be something like money, or it can be something like a resource, right? All of these are neutral terms. Our life experiences, our lived experiences, the beliefs we integrate, those aspects influence how we perceive those archetypes, those parts of our story. Now, if you're trying to, let's say, create more money, and you are telling a story that says, well, 
for me to make more money, I have to work. And if I want to make even more money, I'm going to have to work harder because that's the story you've learned from your life experiences. And we go back to your human design chart and it shows us that, hey, you're not actually designed to work in the traditional way that most people work because not everybody is. There are about 70% of the population is designed to work nine to five, Monday through Friday. That means 30% of us are not really designed to work in the traditional way that we think of as working. Now, if you have that as part of your chart or as part of your soul curriculum, and that's part of your story, and you've integrated that there's a problem with you, there's a shadow side of you that's lazy, broken, stuck, blocked because you can't activate work energy the way other people can, and you now have woven that into your story, well, first of all, you're not going to probably find the right work for you, which means you're not going to get to tap into your natural brilliance in your state, but you're also going to probably impact the flow of abundance in your life. When you understand that, oh, my chart, my human design says, I'm not designed to work in the way that other people work. And that means that the way in which I tap into elements of my own abundance is going to be unique to me. And I can start exploring in my story, oh, I'm not lazy. I optimize the use of my energy in a very different way. Oh, I'm not a failure. I'm here to manage, guide, and direct others, and I have to get into those roles correctly so that people can really value what I bring to the table. So that shadow side or understanding those shadow sides of those parts of our human story help us start to gain sovereignty over them and redefine them and reframe them so we can change our story and then start choosing different options consciously out of the quantum field. And I can speak to that directly because you know, after we had our session and I found out that I was one of those types, which is a projector, mm-hmm. which is not one of the nine to fivers. Right. <laughs> and one of the characteristics of projectors is to wait for the invitation and that the invitation will show up. And at the time, I think I was working 14 to 16 hours a day. I was mm-hmm. just really pushing myself, pushing myself and just finding myself exhausted. Mm-hmm. And so there was this amazing energy component. And truly, it was like when I aligned with trusting the universe, mm-hmm. trusting life to show up because it actually always has. And mm-hmm. I didn't have to push that hard. It changed my life dramatically. And I mean, it, it did. As I continued to align with that belief in this new story, then what happened is more and more opportunities just showed up. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it was really powerful. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the other piece of it is, you know, human design gives us an understanding of the shadow side. That's step one. I think the second part of what human design brings to the table, and this is really what I've been working on in the last like five to six years, is that it also gives us an opportunity to not just reframe the shadow, but then to consciously choose, okay, what's next? If I've reframed my shadow and I've moved into this place of compassionate self-acceptance and I'm allowing myself to really be how I am in the world, what do I want to build beyond that? How do I maximize that? And so, you know, one of the things that I've been exploring the last few years is really looking at how do I, how do we give a bigger, better, more expansive vocabulary to the archetypes in traditional human design. So you're in traditional human design, there are five energy types. 
each energy type has a different way of creating and working and has a different purpose in the world. So for you as a projector type, you're here to manage and guide and direct others. That tells you already a lot about who you are. But if you wanted to say, activate a deeper level of that, if you wanted to expand into your spiritual purpose, which you're already doing, I'm not saying you're not, you know, the, there's not in traditional human design, there isn't a vocabulary yet for that. So I have been going back in the last few years and looking at not only the shadow side, but what's the other side of the shadow? What's the optimal, more aligned, conscious expression of those archetypes? So in quantum human design, which is what I call this expanded language, you are what's called an orchestrator, which means your purpose isn't just to manage and guide people. It means that in the highest expression, once you've taken back control of your story and you're living true to who you are, your role, Stephanie, is not only to manage and guide others and to wait for the invitation, but you're also holding together the template energetically of what's to come next on the planet. So you're really literally you know, in unification with other people who work with your energies, even if you're not conscious of it, you're basically kind of holding this grid or this template in place so that the people who are designed to do the work of the world can move into building the structure of this template into place. So you're kind of a harbinger of the future as an orchestrator or as a projector. And as you keep doing the work that you're doing, I see you both in your material world and energetically continuing to build this template of what's to come. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And Karen, tell the audience, what are the other personality types? So the very first personality type is called the manifester. Manifestors are approximately 8% of the population. Manifestors are the only type that are directly connected to an internal creative flow. So I like to say if you're a manifestor type, you have an internal nonverbal creative flow. And for you to create and build and do things in the world, you have to remember how to tune back into that inner creative flow. For many manifestors, if we talk about the shadow, the shadow is that they get disconnected from that creativity, from that natural alignment with source. And so they start to look outside of themselves for the next step, the next thing to do. And in fact, the real connection for them comes from this, I like the word that you, you use, spark, from the spark of connection to that creative flow. So manifestors are designed to have an idea or get an insight or a spark. And then to when the internal timing feels right, to simply just go do what they're here to do. The challenge is that sometimes for the manifestor types of the shadow is they get stopped. People want to ask them, well, what are you doing? Or do you need help? Or they tell them you can't do that. And the minute as a manifestor type, you have to translate that spark, that instant electric connection to source into language, you oftentimes lose that flow and it's very hard to catch it back up again. And so manifestors can oftentimes struggle to really stay connected to that spark that's so essential in their creative capacity. The next type, which is about 35% of the population, is called the generators. Generators are here to do the work of the world, but I kind of want to always qualify that because we're so conditioned to think that work is go to a nine to five job and make money at it. The work of the world is more than that. The work of the world can be build, uh, you know, creating families, build, uh, raising children. It can be doing a nonprofit. It can be building something in your backyard. The, the truth of the matter is the expertise of the generator is in how to manipulate the physical world and to create it through work. 
The challenge or the lesson for generator types is to find the work that lights their soul up. So it's not like you can just do any work. You can. If you're a generator type, you can, but it's not going to unleash your true energy. It's not going to unleash your vitality. You're actually here to do the work that lights up your soul and sparks your fire. So as I said, that's not always our nine to five job. Sometimes that's what we do for money. And then we do that sparky thing on the side. And hopefully at some point you can have all of that synced up and that, you know, your entire existence brings you this joy because you're doing the work in the world. The third type is called manifesting generators. Manifesting generators are kind of a hybrid of the manifester type and the generator type. So we talked about how the manifester has this internal nonverbal creative flow that oftentimes is just this spark of inspiration. The manifesting generator has that same connection, but they also have that generator energy, that building energy too. So the manifesting generator is oftentimes moving very quickly uh, in the shadow, moving so quickly in the shadow that they skip big steps or they start too many things at once and then are sort of sitting with a whole bowl of spaghetti going, wow, what do I do with all this? (laughs) So the challenge for the manifesting generator is just like with the generator to find work that really lights them up. And to also be active enough and creating enough so that they find the fastest, quickest shortcuts to making things happen in the world. The fourth type, as we talked about, is the projector type. That's what we talked about is you. You're our people who are here to manage, guide, and direct others. So the projector type has a very unique role in that they have to be recognized and invited by the people who are seeking their guidance, which sounds kind of weird. Like, why would you have to wait and be recognized and invited? But it's actually really vital that you wait because that waiting for the right people to ask you allows your wisdom and your knowledge to be valued, which is essential for a projector. The last type is called the reflector. Um, The reflector is less than 1% of the population. A reflector is kind of a barometer, if you will, of the community that they live in. So the role of the reflector is to really reflect back to people the health and the vibrance and the alignment of the community that they're in. They're very empathic. They take in an enormous amount of information and energy from the world around them. And when they're in the right place, they feel good and they radiate goodness and wellness. And when they're not in a place where they feel good, then they express that through their relationships and their experience of life. And then oftentimes it's just a signal that they need to move to a different place in order to really fulfill the full potential of their own story. And what type are you, Karen? I'm a manifesting generator. Okay. And so how has that expressed itself in your life? Uh, so, well, as you said, I have eight children. So, uh, the good part is that gives me a lot of energy to parent eight children, which takes a lot of energy. Um, (laughs) I think the other piece for me is as a manifesting generator, I definitely have learned as I've matured, first of all, I've learned that I really can't do something I'm not passionate about. It's just, it's just a no go at this phase in my life. I can't even fake that anymore. And I think the second piece of it is it's allowed me to know that I do do a lot. I And I do a lot of things that don't always pan out. And that's okay. That's an important part of my process. And that it's really okay for me to skip steps. I've learned, I think from a large part of my life, I got a lot of judgment and criticism from other people from moving too fast. And people always said to me, oh, you just need to pick one thing and you need to slow down. And that's really not good for me, that it's really okay for me to go fast 
It's really okay for me to pick multiple things simultaneously. And it's really okay to know that not everything that I start is going to be what I finish. It's just what I need to do to keep my energy occupied and to learn. Well, and talk about, my goodness, following your your type, we were just talking before the interview about the three new books that you have out, <laughs> yeah. which are proof of this. You know, and so I just want to share the titles of these. So people that are interested, I was telling Karen that, you know, the one, the one book that we have had, I, I am talking Karen, like over a year mm-hmm. that sits, you know, it's like our coffee table book is your first human design book. And is there a, what, what is the title? Just human design? It's understanding human design. Okay. Yeah. 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 I should have that memorized, but I'm looking on the inside, not the outside. I just see the the cover. And then her newest books are 2023 Quantum Human Design Evolution Guide. And she's got a human design workbook that goes with that first book that I told her I cannot wait to get. Mm -hmm. And then the Encyclopedia of Quantum Design. So I'm curious, Karen, too, about how has quantum, the quantum piece for you, changed things? And that's a great question. So I've been thinking about this in the context of Pokemon because I have a 13-year-old. And so, <laughs> so in Pokemon, you have a creature and it goes through three incarnations, right? It has its rudimentary form, then its more evolved form, and then it's even more evolved form. So human design is a revealed body of knowledge. It was received by the founder of the system, Ra Uruhu, in 1987, who spent a large part of his life until he passed in 2011 teaching and sharing about what I'll call traditional human design. Now, the premise of traditional human design is that traditional human design helps you understand who you're not. So in the beginning, you asked about the shadow sides. Traditional human design gives us a lot of vocabulary about who you're not, who you're not really supposed to be, because most of us learn in in various different ways to internalize the message that it's not okay for us to be who we are and how we are. And the process of awakening and the process of, of evolution and growth is oftentimes learning to revisit that story and say to ourselves, I this is who I am, this is how I am, and this is my right place in the world. And we learn over time, hopefully, if we're fortunate enough to recapture our true value and remember our right place in the unfolding of the cosmic plan. The first step in that journey is always really figuring out, okay, who am I not? Because I've been basically living a disguise in a disguise for most of my life. I've been doing the things that I was taught I should do to create success. I should do to have money. I should do to have uh, you know, the relationships that I want. And now I've arrived on this doorstep of maybe even in some cases having all those things that I was told I should want and I'm not happy. And so there's oftentimes this process of deconditioning the story and realizing, oh, I'm not this and I'm not this and I'm not this and it's okay. Mm-hmm. When Ra first started teaching traditional human design, he always had a plan to write the vocabulary for the more evolved version of human design. So the traditional language in human design is about teaching you who you're not. He never really got a chance to write the language to teach you, well, who are you really? And so when he passed in 2011, it really started to be obvious to me that we had a limitation in the vocabulary we were using in human design. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, consciousness has been evolving 
And of course, as consciousness evolves, my clients showed up in a more evolved state. And, you know, somewhere around, I think right after the movie, The Secret came out, people started showing up for readings and they really didn't need to understand who they weren't. They knew who they weren't. They, they had already done in whatever way their own deconditioning process. And I really had to sort of grapple and struggle with some of the language to make it fit and to make it so that they could resonate with it better. So over the last 13 years, basically, I have been reworking and rewriting the language so that we have a third stage evolution, if you will, in Pokemon, um, a third stage evolution of the archetypes in traditional human design. What has been so exciting and powerful about it though now is that it's given me a whole different understanding of how to use the chart, not only as a tool for awakening, but a tool that really helps people take conscious control over their narrative in a very unique and expansive way. So we're no longer talking about the shadow, but we're also talking about, okay, what's the other side of that spectrum on that archetype? And how do we start building towards that? Which I think at this time on the planet is so essential. I think a lot of us, especially in the last 23, 25 years, there's been a lot of work in this cadre of, of critical mass of evolutionary consciousness, where I think a lot of people here are really saying, we get it. We understand the principles of manifesting. We've done the shadow work. We need to begin this process of looking at, well, what else is possible? How do we now consciously construct a new story, not only personally, but constructing these new stories on a personal level allow us to create a new critical mass where we give the we're, we're sort of moving into the capacity to start changing the collective story. This is a, a way of looking at personal narrative and ultimately collective narrative that I think redefines the concept of value, which is really where I think we are on the evolutionary scale. We're really looking at, you know, how are we defining value? And I think we've learned, many of us have learned and unlearned, okay, our value isn't our job, our money, what we do, even our, our purpose isn't even job, money, what we do. We are learning that we're inherently valuable because we exist. And that's it. Our existence itself is a precious once in a lifetime cosmic event. And when we can start moving into living from that space of really owning and being that event that we are, it starts to drop away so many of the things that I think are sources of problems in our consciousness that have created some of the things we're experiencing on the planet right now. You're standing in your own value and you recognize that literally the universe is what it is because you're in it. And you start to see that, well, if that's true for me, well, that's also true for you and 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 that person over there and that person in that other country and these people over here. And now the construct from which we build the world, the systems we create, the economic systems we build, the governments we do, the way we deliver food, the way we educate, all of that changes because we're not operating from a scarcity model of survival of the fittest. That's a misinterpretation and an irrelevant understanding at this point. We're now saying, okay, how do we build a world? How do we build systems? How do we structure ourselves? How do we change the human story so that this story indoctrinates us with the idea that all life is precious because it exists? And if it's precious because it exists, how do we take care of it? How do we nurture it? How do we sustain it? How do we do this human thing peacefully and sustainably in a way that allows future generations to continue to fulfill the full potential of who we are? 
So beautiful, Karen. Oh my goodness. I mean, I just, it gets me so excited because it feels like what is coming up is the We Too movement Mm -hmm. in an all-inclusive movement and mode of looking Mm -hmm. at one another that talk about, you know, the true interconnectedness of all of us. And so it's what is at the highest good for us all, not just one of us, not just me, not just yes. my group, yes. but truly all of us. So I'm excited to continue this conversation. We need to take a quick break. And when we come back, even more from Karen Curry Parker, Igniting the Spark. We'll be right back. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24 through 26, at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome back to Igniting the Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James, and I'm here with the incredible Karen Curry Parker. We've been talking all about quantum human design and evolution. You know, I'd love to, Karen, take this to a little more personal level Mm -hmm. in that I loved our pre-conversation before the show. And one of the things that we were talking about as women that are in our 50s now you know, talking about our own evolution and our own changes and the importance of really bringing that out. And we can definitely interweave this into quantum human design. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's it's important to speak, like we were talking about, to speak to some of what's changed during this decade and why is this decade so important for us? Well, I think the the first part of this conversation around, you know, the decade of 50 to 60 I think is actually an astrological conversation in in addition to, of course, being a physiological conversation. You know, when we look at the astrology of 50, 48 to 52, we have an event in astrology called the Chiron return that happens at the beginning of this cycle. Chiron, which is a planetoid, is astrologically oftentimes referred to as the wounded healer. When we look at the placement of Chiron in your chart or uh, whether it's astrology, I, I use it in human design as well, because it obviously has an astrological component. You know, your Chiron represents the gift that keeps on giving over the course of your life. If you've ever heard the expression new level, same devil, Chiron's that devil, right? It's that thing that keeps coming up. It's the burr under your saddle of your entire existence. And that thing is actually a catalyst for growth and it pushes on us and it brings it, you know, it reveals itself and and pushes on us to continue to explore it and untangle ourselves from it over the course of our lives. Now, when we hit 58 to uh, 48 to 52, that Chiron return cycle, meaning it comes back to the position that it was in at the moment of your birth, it's kind of the final thrust of that theme. And for a lot of us, women and men, but women, especially because we have in conjunction with this powerful cycle, this maturing cycle, we have physiological changes that really redefine our entire role in the culture. You know, I think 
men go through a Chiron return, but I think as men, they don't go through the entire image shift that happens for women. So as women, we go through physiological changes, our bodies change, our ability to, I would say our ability to tolerate can I say bullshit on here? Yeah. Our, our ability to tolerate bullshit goes down to zero, right? And we're really honest. And we're really like, we've literally done everything we should do. And we've moved into this place where we're exploring, okay, well, who do I really want to be now that I've fulfilled on all of my obligations, which is actually exactly what Chiron does as well. So we go through these changes, we go through these hormonal shifts, we go through these identity shifts where you know, we're not marketing with pictures of ourselves in bikinis anymore. We're now really saying, hey, you know, I could, but why? I want to talk about my heart. I want to talk about my mind. I want to talk about what I know. I want to talk about how I survived. I want to give you the skill set so you don't make the same mistakes I did, right? We're in a totally different place. And Chiron is really the teacher and the demarcation astrologically for that same cycle. Chiron is, says, look, this is your final chance to finish dealing with this point of growth in your life. And for many of us, that Chiron return is the time when we look at our relationships and we say, is this really where I want to go for the rest of my life? And if we're not, we, you know, we let them go. Mm -hmm. We look at work and we say, do I really need to do this anymore? This is not, it's not making my soul sore. We let it go. We look at our bodies and we say, you know, I've hated on you for, 50 some years. And now I'm not going to do that anymore. And yeah, maybe I'm not going to have a bikini body anymore, but I'm going to love this body. It's going to be a body that's going to be able to go have adventures. And it's going to be a body that's going to be able to catch a grandchild when they leap off the play structure and you weren't expecting it, right? (laughs) It's a body that's going to be able to hold my family, my parents as they age and pass, right? It's about, you know, our definition of how we understand body changes. Our connection to source differs because we're maturing and we're starting to ask questions like, well, what's my legacy? And so all this stuff that Chiron brings us, we start to mature it. And suddenly Chiron says, okay, this is your new purpose. It's actually not a new purpose. It's actually the one that's been dogging you your whole life, but now it's time for you to do it. So we have Saturn initiating us. We go through this menopause cycle. And then at the end of 50s, towards 60s, we have our second Saturn return which is really the final do or die point. So the second Saturn return says, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got clarity. You made it through Chiron. Awesome. But you know what? You still aren't doing it. You're kind of doing it. You're halfway doing it. You're sort of doing it. Look, you have one last chance. You either decide you're going to do it. And if you do, Saturn's going to be like, I'm going to rain all this blessing on you. I'm going to give you everything you need to leave your legacy to do what you came here to do, to be who you came here to be. And if there's any hiccup, I'm going to pull the rug out from under you and basically take all the obstacles out of your way, whether you like it or not. (laughs) And so I'm going to forge you in this beautiful fire and you're going to merge on the other side of 5060 as you start into 6070, you're going to emerge fully formed, fully forged, ready to do the work. There's something really powerful in the feminine journey of that. I'm not, again, I don't want to say men don't go through it because they do as well, Mm -hmm. but because our bodies also go through this journey in conjunction with the planets, that alignment and that, that physiological journey matches so much that cosmic celestial journey. 
And it's just a really interesting, I think it's an interesting, interesting decade. And I think when women emerge from this decade and we start to look at, and, and I don't want to only limit it to women who've had children, because I think I've, I've seen so many women go through this who don't have children. We kind of go through this decade where most of us are looking at, okay, my kids are starting to leave the nest or have left the nest. Some of us are becoming grandparents. Our parents are aging or dying. We're, we're, we're redefining all of our relationships, including our friendships and our romantic partnerships. We're changing the nature of our relationship with work. And I think there's something innate in the cyclical nature of the feminine story. And it's not just menstrual cycles, which is the one we harp on. Is that the entire lifespan of a woman has got so many cycles built into it. And at that 50 to 60 point, we start to understand life itself is cyclical. And because we understand that life is cyclical, we also have learned the ability to recognize that when the cycles are shifting or they're disrupted, we know how to come back into those cycles and stabilize them. We know how to use cycles of disruptions as, way of, as a way of re-steering the direction. And we can bring in this compassion and shift the direction that we take based on a change in cycle. And so I really do think as we continue to evolve, I'll say feminine energy. I, I don't, I really hate, I actually really hate feminine masculine because it's such a binary idea and we tend to think of either or. So I really want to invite us all as we're listening to think about this as a both and because I'll say we all have all those elements within us. It's just as as women who identify or people who identify as female, we have it in our bodies as well in our own way. And certainly I'm not saying if you identify as female in a different kind of body, you are also going to integrate that cycle in your own way as well. And I don't want to downplay the value of that at all. And there's something about the energy of femininity and this forging that happens in that decade that I think gives women or the feminine energy archetypes, the ability to be able to see into the future in a very infinite sort of way. I shared with you, you know, my story before we started recording of the minute I held my first grandchild, I could literally feel time space falling off of my head. Like it just slid off to the floor in the, in the OR. Um, Cause I happened to be in there when he was born. And I just, I held this little being and I thought, there's literally no option to not fix the world now because this child has to have a beautiful life and I'm going to do whatever I can to facilitate it. And I think if we're in touch with that heart, if we have, you know, really continued to do that work and dropped as many of our, our agendas, if we our hidden agendas, if we can, if we're really present to heart in that way as people who embody the feminine archetype, that wisdom and that understanding of the infinity of just the cycles of children rolling through our lives gives us a very different perspective on what we create and what the payoff is. I mean, to me personally, at this point, my payoff is Theo, my grandson, and Wesley, my other grandson, and my 13-year-old, she's 13, Ayala, and my children, they walk into a world that's sustainable and peaceful. You know, my youngest son is in the army and it's been three years of holding my breath and it's not over yet. And I think about when I watch... You know, and I and I don't mean to bring darkness into this, but when I watch like the stories of what's happening in the Ukraine, obviously I think the politics are horrible. I think about every single mother, regardless of Russian or Ukrainian descent, or every parent, and the, just the breath holding that happens when your children are in those positions, 
And I want to be in a world where that's not part of our world anymore. I want my grandchildren to never have to think about that ever. And that's a perspective I think our 50 to 60 decade brings. I mean, it's something when I leave my my body in my last breath, it goes back to the, the big breath of the sky. <laughs> if I leave this world and it's equitable and just and sustainable and peaceful and abundant, and we've built systems and structures that integrate the idea that all life is valuable, whether it's here, I'm in Wisconsin or in Africa or in Asia or wherever, when every being on this planet is living the fulfillment of the human potential, if that's the legacy that I've left, who cares if I have diamonds or cars or whatever, who cares? I mean, I couldn't couldn't think of anything less relevant. So yeah. You know, and, and that's it. And Karen, you know, I wish that women heard this information in their 20s, in their 30s. They were able to truly assimilate because I think, you know, if I was a 20 year old woman and I knew that each decade of my life actually got better mm-hmm. and that I felt more empowered and that I had literally more alignment in my life as I choose to continue down this path. It would, it would be a game changer. Right. You know, and, and really to normalize this whole experience of how beautiful. I loved what you shared about, you know, accepting how our bodies change mm-hmm. and that when we're in that place, you know, in our late 40s and early 50s, we might walk into the room and we're not the person that turns all the heads anymore right. and we're not supposed to. And I think for women, it's such a huge thing that we ground our identity in a different source mm-hmm. and it's in our hearts. And I really hear that. I believe that it it moves us into that deeper soul work so that we are expanding mm-hmm. in this beautiful way that we can gift the world in the ways that we're truly meant to, you know, as you said, our, our true purpose for being here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so beautifully stated, so beautifully stated, Karen. So as we're getting closer to time here, I want to make sure that people can get a hold of you, whether they want to get a hold of you for coaching or whether it's to get a hold of you so that they can get the book or take one of your courses. I know that you're offering a couple different trainings right now. Mm-hmm. So I want to go there in just one moment. But the first thing I have to ask you before I do, before I forget, is that I had read that you are a PhD student. Mm-hmm. and guest presenter at Quantum University. Is that with Amit Goswami? Yes. He's what, he is also an adjunct professor there. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I just, I, I love him so much. I've had him on the show several times. Yes. He's what amazing. an exciting, exciting venture. Yeah. No, I will say that because I think we should honor people who have, have really pioneered new ways of thinking. I think Amit Goswami has been an unparalleled pioneer in helping us shift and reframe the way we see the world and what, what we build in the world. And I just have so much respect and love for him. Yeah. I mean, and exactly that, bringing the quantum reality to so many people around the world. I mm-hmm. mean, give, and talking about that, giving a language to mm-hmm. what we didn't understand and what we didn't know. Right. So thank you, Karen. I just, I had to ask you that because I, when I saw Quantum University, I was just so excited. Mm-hmm. Tell me about then and, and let the audience know about your trainings and how to get a hold of you. 
So the easiest way to get a hold of us is quantumalignmentsystem.com. That's our website. So uh, it's a little bit of a spelling thing. So write it slowly because it's a lot of words. So quantumalignmentsystem.com. If you go there, you, you can learn about our trainings. You can find a quantum human design specialist. You can learn about quantum human design. You can get your quantum human design chart. There's a lot of resources there. Uh, you know, as we said, I'm a manifesting generator, so there's a lot of content. <laughs> so um, so uh, that's probably the best place to also go to learn about our trainings. I always recommend to people, if you're a coach, if you're a healer, if you're in any kind of a service-based profession, studying quantum human design, just the, the level one and two trainings that we have gives you just a really good foundation and understanding that no matter what you're doing, a one size fits all approach doesn't work. And so it gives you a very beautiful way to customize how you see and how you support and how you coach your clients so that you're really supporting them and coaching them in the way that works best for them. Beautiful. Yes. So please get a hold of this. I feel like, you know, Boy, talk about an essential training for humanity. I mean, I think so because, I mean, and I said, even if you're not using it professionally, just being able to look at like your husband or your partner and say, okay, this guy's or this person is doing this because of this thing in their chart <laughs> and he stopped taking it personally. I always tell people I'm married to a very emotional, provocative person. And people are like, well, that's really mean to say about your husband. But I'm like, no, it's in his chart. And now that I understand it, I think it's hysterical and I love it. Like I've watched this guy walk into a room and just say one sentence and everybody's like, oh, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, oh, that's in his chart. You know, and so, and I, I just adore watching him move through the world, you know, and, and so aligned with the essence of who he really is. So. Well, and, and to dovetail that, I know my fiance and I were both projectors. Oh, really? So, yeah. So it's been really interesting because we can really help each other relax a little bit or look at things in a certain way that we both really understand and get. So it's really been also a really cool language and understanding between that. us. I love that for the both of you. That's cool. Well, Karen, as, as we wrap up, what is the essential message that you want to leave with the audience today? You know, I, I probably said this the last time I was here, but it hasn't changed. So as I said, I have eight kids and, you know, in our house puzzles, when the kids were little puzzles had a very short lifespan and, you know, it wouldn't take long before the, if you put a puzzle together, a piece would be, you know, removed. The cat would eat it. The dog would eat it. I had one kid that hated puzzles. So he'd rip off all the pieces and try to jam the wrong piece into the wrong place. And you know, if you've ever done a puzzle, you know, the puzzle is only as beautiful as the sum total of the pieces. And if there's a piece missing, or if you, you know, a piece is ripped off and jumped, jammed into the wrong place, it affects the entire puzzle. I think we're all like those puzzle pieces. We are designed to come together to create this beautiful picture, this beautiful story. And when we rip off parts of ourselves and try to jam ourselves into a place where we don't fit or we go missing off the table completely, you know, it doesn't just impact us. It impacts the entire story of humanity. So be the puzzle piece you were born to be and fill it. I mean, fill it with all your essence. I mean, stretch and, and just be the complete fulfillment of that person you were born to be because you are literally a once in a lifetime cosmic event and the world is what it is because you're in it. Karen, thank you so much. Always such a joy to talk with you. Such a great message. 
Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. And listeners, make sure that you hit the follow button so you can get more incredible shows just like this one with Karen. Karen was reminding me here at the end, you know, in my film right now that's out on Plex Network on the More You channel, When Sparks Ignite, it really is about your healing matters, that each one of us are golden threads in the tapestry of humanity. And also to check out my newest book, Becoming Fierce, that actually we'd even talk about. Karen had a huge part as she is one of the people that is the co-founder of Grace Point Publication. And that book is available right now at fine bookstores everywhere to help you ignite those sparks within you and help you define your purpose, your passion, so you can continue to help ignite the world and illuminate it with all of us. This has been The Spark. Thank you for being here. You have been listening to Igniting the Spark with Stephanie James. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe and receive every episode. For more information about this show, my books, films, and events, go to stephaniejames.world and ignite your best life. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of A Guided Life Podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.